Peterson's newest dramedy, uh, 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 comma, uh, Asteroid City, featuring an ensemble cast. And I'm going to list off all the names here. We've got <laughs> Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, Leave Schreiber, Hope Davis, Steve Park, Rupert Friend, Maya Hawk, Steve Carell, Matt Dillon, Hong Chow, Willem Dafoe, Margot Robbie, Tony Revolori, Jack, Jake Ryan, and Jeff Goldblum makes an appearance. This film is a play that is also a film. It's a film play, play film. That has the signature Wes Anderson uh, stylistic touches and quirky humor. Um, it is going to be talked about by us. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Well, during the, the time when it's talked about by us, we're going to ask a question. Yeah. And that yeah. question, Zach, is, but is Asteroid City good? We're going to talk about that and find out. We're going to talk about it and find out. That's what we do here. Mm -hmm. We talk about things and find out about them. Yep. Research. (laughs) Because we watched the movie to search, and now we're Uh searching again with our conversation. So So this is research. We're like researching. Yeah. 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 Profound. Ready? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. And theme song in three, two, one. But is it good podcast? Podcast, yeah, 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 yeah. But is it good podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Hey, welcome. Hello. To the But Is It Good podcast. I am your host. Hunter Callahan. <laughs> and I'm your host, Zach Olson. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Episode oh, 120, 128. <laughs> Uh, Athena's do- <laughs> looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing Asteroid City. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very excited about this movie, especially after I went on a tangent and died a little bit inside last week on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Zach, how are you? Things good? Life good? I'm good. I'm tired. How's, it, how's Athena's face? Athena's face is beautiful. Um, so we found out that Athena is basically allergic to like anything uh, and everything. So she got Just bit like her by... Dad. She got, I think she got bit by a ladybug because I saw a ladybug on her face and I was like, that's cute. And then, <laughs> that that was even a thing. Then, well, ladybugs can bite, but usually it wouldn't like swell up, right? Um, and I was like, oh, look at that cute ladybug on Athena's face. And then like two hours later, she was just like Puffy. swollen. Just one of her eyes was almost completely closed. And we took her to the vet and they were like, yeah, she's not dying. She's just, you know, a little puffy. And that's that's that, so... Well, good. I'm glad she's good. How's Addie? Addie's great. Addie's a wonderful, sweet dog who's never been mean to anybody. 
That's these are facts. These are factual <laughs> statements. I actually know uh, my father-in-law had a friend over this weekend, and so she was a little on edge and barked at him and stuff. But whatever. I mean, she's she, nice to. Did us. she give him a like one good snap or just barks? Oh, barks. Okay. okay. I think she tried to nibble, but she's barking. Yeah. Right. Know. Right now she's scared because uh, it's Storm. storming. Yeah, down this way. But she's good. We're all good. Um, I got back from Milwaukee and I'm going to DC in a couple of days and so busy. But yeah. Anyway, podcast stuff. Please like and subscribe, share. You know the thing, you know the drill. Do all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and Zach, this is yours, so I'm gonna let you take it away from here. Good sir. Okay. So Oh wait, hold on, sorry. I, I do have to tell you something. So just before this sorry, you you'll like this. Just before this, I was putting Hollis down, which is why I'm late. And okay. in fact the the name you put on Riverside, which we used to record, when I first thing I log in, what I see is your name, and it says you are late. You grade for prolapse hemorrhoid. That's what you called me. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. the, the reason I am that tonight is because of Hollis. I was putting him down, and I'll have you know that I was reading the book, and you texted me about eating a whole pack of cigarettes, and, <laughs> and the world thinks I'm insane, <laughs> which. My watch vibrated, and Hollis looked down at it. I said, that's just Uncle Zach. And he goes, Uncle Zach. Yeah, Un- that's Uncle me. Uncle Zach. And I was like, Zach's going to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I do so, appreciate that. So Thanks, there you Hollis. Go. You, yeah, I'll tell him that you said thank you. Anyway, actually, here. He's Learn math. Just say thank you. Here you go. Say thanks. Learn math. <laughs> okay. All right, take it away. Okay, um, so why don't we start by talking, like giving some <laughs> spoiler-free, uh, <laughs> spoiler-free what? first impressions about the movie. Why don't we start there, Hunter? Okay. So why don't you tell me what what your first impression of this film is? So I have to give a good shout out to our local theater, NCG. Started twenty five minutes late. I had to go tell them turn it on. Um, again. Yeah, had to happen again. Went at one fifty. It started at two fifteen, and I had to go tell them, "Hey, this thing's been playing for for twenty five minutes. Can the movie start, please?" Um, so that was you know amazing. But I um, saw this on Saturday by myself. I loved it. I loved it. I had a wonderful time. I had a great time. I didn't really realize that this. I think was my first Wes Anderson film. I know about him. I've seen you know, frames and screenshots of his work and I know his, like, w- what his movies look like, right? I'd never actually seen one, I don't think, uh, but I loved it. I really, really, I was cracking up the entire time. I thought it was super interesting and super creative. Um, as soon as Brian Cranston appeared, which we know he's in the movie, and we kind of realized how it was going to be shown to us, I guess, I was on board. So I really loved it. I thought the performances were great. Um, it's definitely odd. It's an odd film, and it can be it can be very confusing. But I really had a great time. That's my first thoughts. What are your first thoughts, Zach? Well, there you go. Um, first thoughts. <coughs> Asteroid shitty. I mean, Asteroid <laughs> City. <laughs> More like Asteroid shitty. I ruined it. I ruined it. I fucked it up. Start, start, start over. Rewind. Rewind. So those are my first thoughts. Zach, what are your first thoughts? 
Compose yourself. Compose yourself. Why are you laughing so hard? This is the first time we've done through this in our life. We haven't gone back yeah, in time. I'm anything. just I'm just uh, a little sleep deprived, and I've got the the low sleep budget giggles. Mm. You know. Oh, okay. You know those low sleep budget giggles. I know them. Yes. Um, Asteroid City, more yeah. like Asteroid <laughs> Shitty. Wow. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't that bad. But I will say that uh, odd and quirky yep. are like signature styles of his. And he he you know he brings that to the table. Of course, the way that the film is presented to us, I feel is. Um, needlessly confusing it's not that i couldn't i couldn't grasp it it just i'm not sure what it added to the story to present it in that way um and we can we can talk about that as we you know dive into the plot of the film i'm just not sure you got it okay well well, yeah (laughs) we'll, 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 we'll discuss that and maybe if i get it my opinion of the film will be changed throughout this conversation. And if that happened, that'd be a good thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not going to just like draw a line in the sand like I did with The Flash because <laughs> <laughs> The Flash was ass. More like flass. It's the f- flat. More like flaccid. Flaccid. <laughs> you just say flaccid. Oh my God! Get out of here! <laughs> breathe, breathe, Zach. Oh man! All right, is that it? Is that the end of your first impressions? Yeah, yeah. I'll say that there was. I was not on board at all until one uh, pretty major event happened, mm. and at that point, I was like, "Okay, I think I can get on board with this." At this point, interesting. Okay, so. And I think Interesting. I think you know what 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 happens, but I do know what happens in like in in the movie. Yeah, it's the end of Act One of the play. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I got you. I think I got you. All right, cool. Well, let's let's dive in. I guess you know. Shall we just jump right in? Hold on. Put on your um, spoiler uh, cap. Oh wait, we have to do hair. movie. Okay. Well, yeah, but we need to do the, put the spoiler cap on before we do movie in a minute because the movie in a minute is going to be filled with spoilers. It's on. So if you dive into spoilers, you need your spoil- uh-huh. spoiler cap on. I got it. Can you not see it? Yeah, I can. I can. Okay. Got it? Is it this is your turn, right? Did it move you in a minute? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let, me <laughs> Let me get a timer. Movie in a minute. Zach's going to talk about a city called Ass. Troy Chitty. <laughs> It's gonna talk about the movie in just sixty seconds. Will All right, it be I'm good? Ready. Who knows? Let's find out. I'm ready when you are. I I don't have to do anything for this, so I'm always ready. All right, this is as- asteroid shitty. Movie <laughs> in a minute. In three, two, one, go. So the setup is that this is a play put on. Uh, so we have a, a color a color side of the movie that is like the events of the play like acted out. And then we have the black and white side that is like, uh, uh, like exposition about the creation of the play and like the interactions between the actors and all the different people that were involved in the making of the play. Um, so we have Augie 
and his wife died three weeks ago. He hasn't told his kids. His father-in-law hates him. Good Lord, there's only 30 seconds left. Anyways, there's a fucking asteroid. There's these smart kids. They're brought there to get a scholarship because they make like futuristic shit, even though it's like 1955. Uh, 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 an alien comes down and grabs the asteroid and goes back up. He just like inventories it and then brings it back. Um, anyways, Scarlett Johansson and and the main guy have sex at one point and uh, a bunch of shit happens and it's just like a, there's laser beams and they're going pew pew and then at the end everyone says if you don't eat your meat you can't have any pudding or something <laughs> and then that's the end of the movie <laughs> how is that i love it okay. i love it <clears throat> how can you have your pudding if you don't eat your meat yeah what's funny is that i literally said that phrase tonight at dinner did you yeah, we we were at dinner with my at my parents' house and uh, they were having ribs and Hollis was eating it and I think Hannah said, "Hey Hollis, make sure you eat some more of your meat." And my dad was like, "You can't have any pudding if you don't eat your meat." <laughs> and I said, "How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat?" That's right. That's correct. Um, that's amazing. Great, great job. Amazing. That was literally every scene of the entire movie in sixty seconds. Incredible. That was all of it, right? Entire thing. Um, yeah. So. I kind of want to just hear your thoughts about this. <clears throat> so you did not like the, the, the like play. So we're like we're watching a documentary about the a play being written and made, while also simultaneously seeing the play presented mm-hmm. as a movie, though. Correct. You didn't like that. And and well, so the the documentary about the play, uh, is. I mean, it's fine, but what does it add to the what does it add to the plot, Hunter? I I, I want to ask you because because that's that's my contention is that I'm not sure what it adds. It just seems it's like, like it an was onion. A, it was it, it was layers. An, oh my god, this isn't Shrek. You know, this doesn't touch Shrek with a ten foot pole. Okay, what? Uh, <laughs> but but it, it to me, all it serves to do is provide more space for uh, more. Uh, white people to be in it like, like you get you get you know uh jeff goldblum and and you add in uh um who else so brian cranston was in the the black and white bits no nah, adrian edward brody norton. margot robbie like edward all norton. these people are just like in ancillary roles added in in the in the you know creation of part. well actually but technically it, all of them kind of make an appearance Sure. In the black and white as like the actors well, playing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about just the ones that are only in, in, yes. in those scenes, right? Which is They're not like part Edward of the, Norton, the play yeah. itself. Edward Norton was um, the playwright or whatever it is. Now, it did create, you know, some funny little comedic moments. Like when they're in, uh, the, you know, the color... And they're having this conversation, you know, it, it's very quick, like back and forth, like dialogue, right? Yeah. Um, pretty much throughout. And there's this conversation going on between like three people and then it like sort of pans out and Brian Cranston's there and he's like, oh, I'm not in this scene, am I? Yes. You know? yeah, that, yeah. Like that was funny, right? Like that, that made me laugh. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just don't know what it adds to the plot. In fact, I think uh, the, the main storyline that to me had the most impact or what I felt like was supposed to have the most impact was the, the, the death of, uh, Augie's, uh, wife. Right. Mm-hmm. But knowing that, that this is a fictional play and that didn't actually happen, like takes away a lot of that bite. If, if that makes sense. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I guess I could, for I sure. That. Okay. Yeah. Uh. I think for me, it was like, I don't know. I just thought it was a super interesting way to like, tell the story i think 
it's to me this movie is almost like like towards the end I know we're jumping around already but like the very end when Augie is like he walks over to what's the Schubert what's the director's name Schubert that was Adrian Brody right yeah Schubert Green he walks on stage yeah like deer in the play and he's like I don't get it I don't understand what this play is about and he's like you just do it you don't have to understand it you might not ever understand it you just keep telling the story and to me having that kind of start with the playwright which is Edward Norton and kind of his story and like him writing the play to me it was that that part is just sort of like art for the sake of art it was just like I just want to you know what I mean? Like, okay. to me, it's kind of how it was. But also, sure. um, I don't know. I, th- I think that's, it's just an interesting way to, like, see everything. I don't know if it was supposed to be some crazy, like, profound. I don't know if this movie is supposed to be profound. I think it can be if you want it to be. But, like, to me, that was just a really interesting way to just show the story being told. But also, I enjoyed seeing the, like, the actor's kind of like when he like auditions for the role and he like walks into his house and stuff and then um, kisses him which is yeah, fine and then like, but, but it couldn't kind of imply like uh, oh well, he got this because they had like a relationship or something like that or so it felt like Edward, Nor- Edward Norton who's who is the the playwright uh, mm-hmm. uh, what is his name Conrad Earp Earp Earp, Earp. Conrad Earp thank you mm-hmm. um, it didn't to me feel like <laughs> He really knew what he was doing when writing the plays. You know, he was just like, "Well, I'm writing something," you know. Yeah, and that's like it. It felt like nothing was written yet, and then uh, Augie comes in, or the guy that plays Augie comes in and does his thing, and then he's like, "You're perfect for the play." But the play hadn't even been written yet at that point. Well, something time. something had been written because he asks him, "Why does Augie burn his hand on the?" Oh, you're, okay, that's fair. But but even then he was like, I don't really know. He just does it. That's a funny little callback. Now that you mentioned that, where he says, uh, "Why why does he burn his hand?" Because then when he does burn his hand in the the you in know the play? the play, he goes, "She goes, why did you burn your hand?" And he goes, "Unclear or something like that." He, you know? Yeah, because he, like, he doesn't understand, right? Yeah, and then I think she even says, "What's your name?" Midge. Midge even says, "Like, oh my mm-hmm. god, you actually did it! Like, you actually right. <laughs> actually did it." Um. But what's funny is that like the reason he gives is like super interesting when he's like uh, when Evan Norton's character or Conrad's like um, I'm not really sure he just does it and then um, Augie goes he says uh, hold on a second I think his at the time his name is so the actor's name is Jones Hall but he's playing Augie. yeah it doesn't matter Augie he says like I think he wanted to give an excuse for why his heart was beating so fast. And he was like, oh my gosh, that's really interesting. And then he goes like, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll write that in. But no, I won't because it should be understood. So it's interesting that like, I thought that's a really fascinating because he's like kind of developing a relationship with Midge and that's maybe he's, you know, I don't know. It was just interesting. He, I liked it. I, he the actor or he in the play? In the play. Because in the play, Augie. he does have a, a relationship with Midge. They've yeah, had sex. And so maybe that's why he, he, he says he burns his hand to give a reason why his heart was beating so fast. Well, why is his heart beating so fast? Because he's talking to Midge? Because he's he likes her? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of layers Or is that. it because the weight of their collective trauma is too much for him to handle? Maybe. Because they're both kind of messed up. But I think that, that this is, like, about, like, that grief and, like, 
how people handle it in different ways. Like it's really funny when Woodrow's like, "Are you going to abandon us?" And he goes, "Hmm, I was." <laughs> like he's like temporarily, but I was. Mm-hmm. And then there's a line that's really heavy, and it's kind of, it's like he throws in these really profound lines, kind of on a whim, in the midst of like f- comedic, in like interactions. And there's that part where, like, at the end, when Tom Hanks's character has completely done a 180, like he's not the worst anymore. Like on that phone call, he's like, acts like he's a terrible person. You know what I'm saying? Um, he just doesn't like his son-in-law. No, no, right no, after no. his right after his daughter has died, mind you. So he's he's in a place yes, of grief. Exactly. And so like later on in the movie, when he's being kind to Augie, Augie even says, "Stop being nice to me. I'm I'm grieving." And what's what's his name? Stanley. Stanley Zach says, I am too, and like almost cries or whatever. And so I think See, that's but, an interesting... But it's in, a, it's in a play. Like, it, I don't know. Like, what I'm thinking... I don't think that should matter. Well, it does to me. Um, that's fine. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's it's just not... So are you saying that when you go see a play, the character dies, it doesn't have any effect on you? When I go see a play hunter, I'm not seeing them behind the stage and shit like in the middle of the play. So I'm I'm in the play. I'm not I'm not in and out and in and out. That's right, what I'm fair. saying. Fair. So you're saying like that I've seen see- I've seen plays uh, when I when I was at uh, in college at West Georgia. Um, I had when I was an RA, I had a couple residents that were um, like theater majors, and so they were in plays on campus. Uh, really cool, you know, like those little like uh, black box plays where it's like a yeah. little small room and like the stage mm-hmm. is like also around you, not just like in front of you, you know, cool little, cool little. Yeah. Anyways, these are people that I know, like have, you know, have friendships with and, but when they start acting, it's like I separate from that and I'm able to see the characters because it's in this like closed environment. This is not in that closed environment. It, it, and it's, it, it takes away from it for me. Just personally, that's just my my personal opinion. Yeah, so you're saying that seeing them behind the scenes and outside of that, I guess, removed any sort of the stakes to an extent. Well, yeah, it just sort of um, like it 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 dampens the impact of the the messaging of the play itself. What do you think the message was of the play? Like, what's the play about? I have no idea because then we get to the end and there's the whole if you don't fall asleep you can't wake up or whatever they they're chanting, right? Yeah. What is that? What was that? Because So like I I I've read some stuff and I have a couple of theories and I Okay, no no no. I want I want to hear what you think, not what you read. I, I took that when I was watching it. I took that as a um Well, that's like what's the saying? But he's trying to have like is it like he's talking about writing a dream sequence or whatever? He never does. Does I don't think we actually ever, ever actually see the dream. He talks no, about no because it. No, the, gets the cut, dream gets, gets cut. the dream gets cut out. That's what Margot Robbie it, her character is there to. That's like, right. Reinform, yeah, reinform right, the audience right, right. And what the dream is supposed to be. To me, it was sort of like a. What do they say? They say you can't. Let's see if I can figure out what it was. You can't fall asleep if you you can't wake up if you, if, you, if you don't fall asleep. Is that what it is? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's something like that. You can't fall asleep if you don't wake up. No, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. And to me, that line kind of hit me as like a, you can't have um, the good without the bad. You can't, and it kind of links back to grief where it's like you can't, you know, if if you want X, you can't get that without Y. You can't go through life and 
I don't know, like it's it it was kind of a weird way to do it because it can kind of seem like just being odd for odd like being for sake of being odd. But in the context to me, it was like a I don't know, like you it's related to grief in a way where it's just in life you can't have the good without the bad. You can't have happiness without sadness. You can't wake up to something if you don't fall asleep to it. You can't I mean, but it it can be related to I mean, numerous things, anything in life, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, it's like growing up. You like, you can't become an adult if you don't, I guess, die into yourself. That's a, like a religious context, but like, or you, if you, you can't become knowledgeable if you don't fall asleep to ignorance. Falling asleep is kind of a way to say it, but it's like, you have to give up one to get the other. Is that the quote? Did it have anything I'm, to do with a dream? I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it's, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Are you looking it up? Shitty. You can't wake up if you don't go to sleep. Um. So then, why does everyone in the like actors like bleachers? They all just start fucking chanting it, and then at one point it goes color, whereas it was black and white. So, like, what does that signify? Because if we were talking about a Christopher Nolan film, that would signify something, right? Uh, yeah. So, like, what, what, what is it? Because to me, well, it's just it's just Wes Anderson playing with style, which is fine. But I've seen that like eight times now. You know. Yeah, and that might be it. And that's the thing is that I think this film or the play at least in a way is saying like, that's okay. You know, I don't, it doesn't need to always be some groundbreaking, like philosophical thing. It can just be, I think this is cool and I like it. But I know like when it comes to like, this is actually my own example. So I made a short film when I was a senior at Georgia and it's about depression. And it was about this guy who was like hiding his depression and it was all black and white. And then he confessed it and was like, tell somebody like, I'm not okay. And when he did mm-hmm. that, it turned to color. I thought sure. it was like some, you know, auteur shit or whatever. But to me, it was saying like, it was almost in this instance, maybe I can use, I can try and force this line to fit. Maybe might not. But for him to wake up from that, he had to kind of let go of the like facade. Okay, so who's he? Is it the character in the play or is it the person who's playing the character in the play? But the person who's playing the character didn't actually have his wife die. So like, but it was in the documentary. It wasn't in the play. Do you see what I'm saying? Like if it was in the movie itself or like in the play itself, it would make more sense. But this is the actor just like sitting up in the bleachers while the uh, Willem Dafoe as like the the acting coach is trying to get the audience to help him write the play because the playwright can't write it himself. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it just sort of like takes away from it for me. Like, it all it doesn't it doesn't re- really fit. Um, because yes, if 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 Augie in the play came to that realization, and like the play ends, or like maybe the end of Act Three before the epilogue, with all the characters in the play saying that, that would be weird. But that's something that would happen in a play, right? Like if you go see a play, maybe you know something weird like that can happen. But this wasn't in the play. This was like in 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 the real life documentary shit yeah yeah i i understand that and i i can see how that would be like uh and it's not that i don't get it it's that i don't see what it what it why why it was done which i guess it means i don't fucking get it but i feel like i try to read about i feel like i get it and it just wasn't that good 
<laughs> if that makes sense. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But also, and you, and, and so you haven't kinda, seen you haven't seen any other Wes Anderson films. I think I don't think so. I'm not I trying th- to. I'm not trying to. Well, let me list them off for you. I mean, no, I'm not I, trying to say I, I like if you've seen other ones, you you know, blah blah. But no, I do I think. I looked them up, okay. and I had, I and I recognize a lot of the titles, but I don't think I've ever actually seen them. Okay, I think that if you watched any of his earlier films, or shoot, even like Isle of Dogs or Grand Budapest Hotel, um, and you saw what he does, you would. S- <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> You would see that he does it better in those films. <laughs> is it better or is it just different though? You know what I mean? Like I actually would, would like well, to watch it's both. Why not both? I'm trying, I'm trying to like read about it and see if there's any things about that that line. But I just love I don't know what it was. I didn't I just don't feel like I needed this movie to be anything absurdly profound to me. I just really enjoyed the ride. Like the small things. Like I but, really but it, loved but, Hold on, I really like just that example. Like I loved Steve Carell. I loved him. Every single thing he'd be like, "Of course I understand." Like just like for some reason that just I just thought it was hilarious. I thought it was just really really great. But it 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 opened up with the appearance of one of those plays that is going to like really hit you hard with something profound. You know what I mean? Like it opens up with this, like we start here and blah, 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 blah. And, and it looks like a stage play. And then it's not really. It's because the stage play is the making of the stage play, which is not a stage play. It's like out in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> Do you well, see? it's like, it's, it's like, I mean, you're I guess full, it is, it's like it, you're they actually are sets, like immersed in but, it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I just, little, it, little things that, that, a lot of people in the theater laughed at that I just didn't find super funny. Like, like the the ramp that wasn't complete, but it also didn't really go anywhere. I thought that was amazing. That was amazing. Why? Why? I just see those kind of things is just like, sure. It just creates this really strange world, man. Or like where you can buy land out of a vending machine. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, and Steve Crow's like, yeah, of course. Like, that's how we do it. And it's just like, oh, okay, I guess. Sick. That's awesome. And the like a little, really random like, oh, it's just another atom bomb test, and there's a mushroom cloud in the background, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, what they're is in happening? the desert where they would test no, like know. atomic bombs and stuff, and it's the fifties, so they were doing it back. I understand then, right? that that's when that happened, but I just loved the. I guess what I'm the, saying like, is that one that one fits within the context, whereas like <laughs> the selling land through a vending machine, uh, which I guess this is like a like a retro futuristic vibe right so we're in the past yeah. but it has like futuristic uh you know shit going yeah. on like the jetpacks and stuff but i just i just loved the, i don't know like i thought it was just really charming for whatever reason and maybe maybe you're right where it's like if i saw grand Budapest hotel or whatever like that or like the uh, didn't he do the Fantastic Mr. Fox and stuff like that? Where it's like Fantastic Mr. Fox is a is a phenomenal film. There maybe I mean, most most of his are, but I like that I'll one see a what lot. His are like rated, um, but I also thought the performances were super good. Like I thought Midge and um, Augie were like really compelling. I also really loved uh, the kids. Like that whole crew, which was to me about like. Um, you know, being an outsider and kind of finding your home, finding your people. There's a line that 
I think Midge's daughter says where she's like, I always felt like I'd be more at home outside of the Earth's, Earth's atmosphere. Like, mm-hmm. I thought those were great. I thought, um, I thought Jeffrey Wright's speech was one of the funniest parts of the entire movie. I don't know why, but I thought it was hysterical. But he like kept moving like the microphone and stuff at that speech. I don't know. I just I just had a great time. I loved it. Interesting. It it seems like it didn't hit my uh, my comedy strings in the same way. But also in my theater, uh, not many people laughed. But but except for weird parts where I didn't think anything funny was going on. Like at one point. Uh, there's that little sequence where they take the car to the mechanic, right? And mm-hmm. he's like, it's one of two things, either <laughs> this or it's that, right? That was funny. That was funny, right? Nobody in my theater laughed. And then when they're like, when he's like, it's a lost cause, let's get our luggage out of the car. And then it pans back to the car and the car didn't have any wheels. Everyone fucking cracked up. And I'm like, why is that funny? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> why was the, the sequence before that not funny to anybody? But then, aha, car, no wheels. <laughs> yeah. It was funny is that the crowd that I was with, it was funny. It was much older. I was probably the youngest person there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one girl kind of to my left who might have been closer to our age, and she was dying. Like, I could hear her the entire time. And there were a lot of decent laughs in the theater. Um, but she was cracking up, so she got it. She loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I... Uh, it just landed for me. I thought the performances were super good. I thought the pacing of the dialogue was really great. I thought the movie looked incredible. Um, oh, don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, visually, no, yeah, I understand that. Visually, this film, and, and that's that's like, that's like the baseline for Wes Anderson is that his, his framing, and it's a very mm-hmm. distinct style, but I do enjoy it the way that, like, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to, to interrupt you. No, you're fine. But the uh, scene where Augie is on the phone with Stanley and at one point yes. they're like, they're like, you know, you were looking at both of their faces, but then at a certain point they, they face each other like on the phone and it's just like this awkward yeah. silence. That's, that's a really cool shot, right? It's not a fucking play though, is it? It's not a play, Hunter. They're not on a stage. It's a movie. <clears throat> yeah, I understand. I just thought it was great. I I just um, and like I, the absurdity of like the alien coming down, and the alien the alien cracked me up. When, I will I will when the way yeah, his when, eyes were darting around when he posed for the picture. He posed with like the, the I was screen. dead. That was that was that was a funny part of the movie for sure. Because it was um, just so surreal. <laughs> yeah, like <clears throat> I don't know, but like see, like the the the. Little things where like we cut back to Schubert where he is, his wife is like leaving him or whatever and he's like holding the he's holding the like UFO prop and it lights mm-hmm. up green. I was like I for some reason I thought that I was like that's really cool to see. Like, oh yeah, this is all a play. This is all being put on by people. It's a story that someone's telling. I thought of I just for me it worked really well. Yeah, but like I don't know. Why put that in there? Like, oh, my wife's leaving me, and I created a little fucking green. Well, fuck no, he he lived he <laughs> lived at the theater the entire run of the production. He was living there, and sure. to me, that was that was him like saying like all I know and my home is the theater. He's like makeup does my like hygiene and wardrobe gives me my clothes. It's it was exaggerated, 
but it's mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. like he's married to his craft, you know, and his. I love how he was running that his wife's leaving for like an all-star second baseman or something like that. I just thought it was really. So it's got to be like, Ozzy Albies, right? Ozzy, it's got to be Ozzy. Um, like those little things, or like the quirkiness of the playwright, seeing him, you know, so obsessive over his writing, but also quirky, where he's like, the guy walks in, and he's like, "I told you, I'm indisposed," you know, like he was channeling like almost like Benoit Blanc from Glass Onion, like that sort of accent. I don't know. It just works. No. <laughs> Maybe not, but to me, it like felt like that. Or, you know, like I really, the scene where the, the, the actor who plays Woodrow goes to the train and finds Midge and he's like, I have, I have three things to read you if you're mad, if you're sad, or if you're, you know, calm and collected. And, um, I don't know. I just thought, I just thought it worked. I thought it was really great. I'm so, i sorry, I guess. No, <laughs> I don't, don't apologize. I mean, you didn't think, I just, Why would I you know. apologize? I, maybe we I need to go see on more. Stuff more Wes Anderson movies because if if this is one of his weaker ones I'm sure I'd love his other ones well if okay so if not that we're done talking about the film uh, we can we can continue talking about the film but you were looking up uh, like ratings for all of his films and yeah. if you if you look at all the films that he is the you know primary director for uh, Asteroid City The French Dispatch and uh, 2007 film called The Darjeeling Limited are his lowest rated films uh no it's not i see one called the the life aquatic of with steve ziso is at 57 okay you're right you're right but i don't know if that's see i've, I've never even heard of that i've heard oh, whatever. of life aquatic um but yeah but i do see that like moonrise kingdom and budapest hotel are all like 90s um he's got like a oh that's an executive for producer that looks lame um yeah i mean i'm gonna have to like isle of dogs is at 90 percent. mr fox is at 90 what 93 Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to uh watch some more of his movies because i really really i i thought it was great i just i don't know there's to me there's a part there's a point where it's like the quirkiness for the sake of being quirky or the art for sake of art to me in this one it worked really well I don't well, know what it was. Sure. And that's present in his other but but most of his films in some way deal with loss or like abandonment. Um and whereas in his other films the characters are going through loss and abandonment and or abandonment. In this film it's just people acting that they're Yeah, but that that, that doesn't mean it's that's not real though. You know what I'm saying? But, like but but it, I'm telling you the way it's framed, I did it didn't it doesn't work for me. I keep saying the same thing over and over again. So we can we can move on to like talk about plot points or something cuz I'm just like rehashing the same Well, no. I just, it's interesting that that was such a big uh thing for you. Um Anyway, yeah. I mean, we can sort of walk through this. Uh the the thing about it is that this it feels like a lot of things just sort of happen, you know? But, like, I... The quirkiness of everything, like, the fact that this tiny little nowhere town has this science fair mm-hmm. every year to honor... What do they call The junior s- stargazers or whatever? Stargazers um, and space cadets. Yeah. And then that doctor... What's her name? H- H- Hickenlooper? Uh you know, like just that mm-hmm. this that like the U.S. Army has a general there, which is Jeffrey Wright, and 
Um, that whole premise to me, I was like, I'm in, you know. But I think the most emotional part of the story for me was Woodrow and kind of him finding uh, his sort of people, you know. And um, I really loved with that scene where they were sitting down on the ground doing the name game or whatever. And they'd all pick like the most absurd names and they have to remember all of them, you know. And there's a, a scene where, there's a part where I think one of them say like, you know, I'm not sure if we should do this because this could go on forever with people like us. And the one of the girls says like, no, that's fine. No one at my school will play this game with me. So I think those little moments are really emotional. I think they're really good to be like, these people finally found their little home, you know. In the I play. thought it was good. Oh my God. <laughs> Which wasn't actually a play because it was. <laughs> that doesn't it was mean it wasn't real. Uh, oh goodness! So hold on, this whole thing for you, the linchpin is the fact that because it's a play, the emotions are diminished. Is that no, what no, it no, is? No, 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 because we're pulled in and out of play in like documentary about play. Well, yes, yeah, but that's so it for you that it diminishes, it diminishes everything. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Yeah, it it really does. I don't does. think so at all. Like, like, okay, let me ask you this. Okay. Take the documentary out. We just have the colorized play on a stage in front of you. Is it compelling to you? I think so. Or is it compelling because of the, 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 the direct, like the, the documentary stuff that's interspersed in between where you get that extra context? Because to me, if I think about the play... I don't think it would be that interesting. It's like super dry and uh, like it's a little quirky, but but they wouldn't be able to perform it that way, right? It's true. It's, I don't know. I don't know, Hunter. It just it took it took me out. <laughs> it's actually an impossible play. The way that we see it, sure, obviously it would be very different to an right. actual so, stage. So so it, it's an interesting choice to make uh that they didn't say like this guy wrote a movie and then they made this movie. It's it's a play. It's a play. Yeah, but but I think I really enjoyed maybe it's because I like to call myself a writer. I don't know if I actually am one, but you know, I've written songs or done things where I'm like what's the point of this? And I think it's incredibly interesting and incredibly rewarding for an artist to look at something and go, it doesn't need one yet. Just just do it. Just keep going. Do you think that's what he's saying? That's literally what Schubert says to, what's his name? Jones? What's his name? Do you think that's the, the end-all, be-all message? I think it can be if you want it to be, yeah. Then why wasn't it like the... Like, why does so much happen after that point that's, like, not really related to that message? What happens after that point? Where is it? Uh, it's after that point that we get the fucking, uh, you can't fall asleep or you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Well, maybe that's and it. Then, maybe maybe that's what you have to fall asleep to is the fact that everything has to have a point and that you can wake up to just create art. You have to fall asleep to the fact that everything has a point? That everything doesn't need to have a point. You fall asleep to the fact that everything doesn't need to have a point, which means that you would wake up to the fact that everything does need to have a point. Whatever, which the goes other against way, what the director the says. The other direction, I, you can you can wake to wake up to the realize that not everything has to have a point. You can just create. But then, but then in the play, Tilda Swinton's character literally says everything has a point. 
to to uh, uh, that is the point. Woodrow. Though. That is the point. The point of it is to create. Everything matters, but also I talked about this in therapy like a month ago. I'm not even kidding. Where it's like you can choose to think that nothing matters, and you can follow that nihilism everywhere, like all the way to the end. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. also, if nothing matters, therefore everything's kind of on the equal standing, and therefore everything matters. Or you can choose to look at it and say like everything. Everything matters. If I create if something, I, if I want to, if you I want to consume, hold on, hold on, okay. and you say, "This is the worst piece of crap I've ever seen in my life." I can say, uh-huh. "It still matters because I give it meaning. I choose to believe that it matters." Okay, okay. If I want to consume media <clears throat> if you just about to nothing, tell the story. if I want to consume media about nothing, I'm going to turn gonna, on Seinfeld. Seinfeld. <laughs> I was about to say. Okay, like, <laughs> but Seinfeld's not about nothing. It's not. It's a show about nothing. It's not. That's the that's that's the catch line. But it's about growing up. It's about relationships. It's about life. They had an episode, Hunter, where they're standing in line at, waiting to get a table at a Chinese restaurant, and that's the whole fucking episode. I know, but it's it's about the ex- the human experience. That matters. That mm-hmm. matters. Mm-hmm. I'll die. I think, on that, this I, hill. I think that's more compelling. The, I'll the, die on this hill. All right, die on. So it. I think I think that's really important for a lot of creatives creatives to hear i was just i'm I'm reading a book right now called uh discipline is destiny and it's about talking about this author who has written like 25 novels and like 40 short stories just a crazy absurd amount of stuff and people are like how does she do it and she's like i don't i don't think about it i just i just do it i just create i just create and people might hate it. People might love it. But it's not about that. The point is the creation. The point is the process. This might have just been an exercise for Wes Anderson. Just like Tenet might have been a brain exercise for Christopher Nolan. Well, hold on now. Um, you're not putting this movie on the same level as Tenet, are you? I'm not. But I'm saying, like, this movie, it might... The point of it to me is that it doesn't always need to be some crazy thing and that's where you can find very interesting things to me to me at least if you want themes though to me it's about grief and it's about how everybody processes that in their own way like you know like Woodrow kind of doing it his way and then the, the girls they you know try to have like a ritual for the mom and then the dad is mm-hmm. not the step the father-in-law the wife's dad is all the while trying to put on a brave face and seem you know okay and then meanwhile his daughter is in you know tupperware being buried in the middle of the desert and that can't be easy she she's into tupperware being no she's buried? like she's no she's in tupperware being married and oh. being buried in, in the middle of the desert and no one stops to think well this was his daughter what did he want for her you know um, <clears throat> well, we, I don't know. We see I what he. We, we. What do you mean? We see what he wants for her, because. Yes, I know, but it doesn't really come to fruition, does it? It gets. No, because gets, there's witches. The yes, the witches win. The witches do their thing. Um, I don't know, but I I loved the like slow descent into madness that everybody had while they were in quarantine, like. 
you know, there's that one kid who's always like, do you dare me to do this? And the dad's like, no. And then he does it. And then eventually he like gives up and he's like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Why? But then he gets really heavy and serious where he's like, because I... It got it got serious for like half a second. It was not that heavy, and then it gets broken with the "What do you want? What do you want me to?" What do you, yes, I but, dare you. What do you want to do? I but climb that's that fine. Cactus. And they're like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> so, so for you, that like that line doesn't have any impact anymore. He's like, "I'm afraid people won't even know I exist if I don't constantly do something to seek the attention." That line, yeah, that line has has meaning, right? But the way it's presented is is ineffective. I disagree. I thought it was great. Do <laughs> you know what that within, kid's name was? With, within the context of the actual story and like how... Do you hear my question? <coughs> yes, hold on. Of like how it was, how the movie was going, that, that made perfect sense. Um, I don't know what his name was. What was the conclusion of the play? Like the the, the play itself... I'm trying to think. I don't know. Yeah. Uh. Oh, well, wait, yeah. Plays, uh, plays usually they, have a conclusion. <clears throat> Augie wakes up and everyone's gone. Okay. And they go to that, the, was the ep- that was the epilogue. Uh, the the alien a, comes back alien? down, drops the rock. The rock has like markings on it. They're like, he inventoried it. And then they're like, we're going back into quarantine. They shoot a fucking ray gun in the sky and everyone just goes crazy. And then yeah. the next morning, it's we're in the epilogue. So, like, what was the... I'm trying to see. I don't know if we actually see it. We <laughs> see that he puts the meteor back, and then they revolt, and they go crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, during that scene is when he walks walks off stage and goes, find, goes to find Sherbert. Right. And he says, like, what's the point? And then he goes and sees Margot Robbie. And then, yeah, then we cut uh, um, to the epilogue. It's interesting. But, yeah, Augie wins. I mean, uh, Woodrow wins. It is interesting, isn't it? Woodrow wins the the scholarship money. He's going to spend it on his girlfriend. On his girlfriend. But think about this, Hunter. Um, Um... Woodrow and Augie are going to be dating members of the same family. Yep. Gross. <laughs> it's just a play. <laughs> Zach, I loved it. Did I convince you to love it? No. <laughs> no, you did not. Oh man! Oh well, I thought it was fantastic. I had a great time. But then, like Conrad dies in a car crash, and it's like, but that's just like a fucking one-off line. Like we do we for a movie that's about grief. Do we see any grief on anyone's face when that happens, or are they just like Conrad died during the making of the blah blah blah? This is just a sad story. He he created this thing though. That's where it's like he can't. He even, created just, this shitty I'm just play. <laughs> It's just like random shit happening. It's like he did acid and wrote that play in like 45 minutes, you know? Hey, man, some of the best songs in the world. And then, and and then they, they create this whole drugs. documentary about this shitty play. Like, I don't... It, <laughs> the play wasn't shitty. It was great. <laughs> Have you seen a play? 
I've seen plenty of plays. I've been in plays. Have you ever, have you ever seen a play? <laughs> I, I've seen plays at the Fox. I was usually in a play. they have like a conclusion and like a like a there's a, a something called like a story arc where I'm the events sh- I'm are. I'm sure that I'm sure the that events this play are connected one. to one another in in one way or another. Even if it's convoluted and it doesn't make sense at first, usually it comes together at the end in a way that's satisfying and that conveys a message to the the viewer of the play who has paid money to be there. Uh, this play <laughs> was just random fucking events. But the way that we view this this story, you have to see everything, not just the play, to have a conclusive arc. Right, right, right. So the play sucks, and why would they create a why would they create a documentary about a shit? Like, why would you? But, that'd be like if, if the Beatles. Saw, that'd be like if the Beatles sucked, and we needed the documentaries about them to be able to appreciate their music. I'm gonna quote a line from an from one of the greatest films ever made, and the line is. Sometimes there's not always a solution. Sometimes you just have to let go. Copyright The Flash 2023. (laughs) Okay, we can finish. We can wrap it up. Zach, is, is Asteroid City good? No. What? No. So sad. So sad. I don't I don't think it is. I would I would give it like um like a 40. Whoa, okay. Maybe maybe maybe, maybe lower than that. Um well, me personally. I, I disagree. What would you give it? Would you give it a 90 like fucking like 9? No. Did this blow no. your mind. It was this the most uh, <laughs> uh profound thing you've ever seen in your life? No, not even close. And that's the thing is that I just really had a great time and I really just enjoyed the movie and I appreciated what it was saying to me. It wasn't like some masterpiece, but I would give it 117% fresh. Mm, mm-hmm. No, I'd probably give it like an 80. Okay. Well, if you average us together, what's, what did I say? 40 or 30? I think you said 40. Okay. So 40 plus 80, that'd be a 60. Passed. No, Hunter. According, you, according to it, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I've always wondered why that's... I guess, is it because... Well, I had a thought where it was like, I wonder if it's like fresh if the majority of people like it, but that would not work because if you get like a 55, that's mm-hmm. still majority, but it's still rotten. So I guess it's, they right. just pick 60. I don't know. Just pick a number. Rotten Tomatoes, the Holy Grail, though, is the only thing that matters, isn't it? wrong our podcast is the only only one that matters anyway there you go i think it's good zach doesn't all right let's move to every movie sucks because what do you think (laughs) no i was was telling the audience like what do you think oh okay see what i'm saying see what i'm saying see what i did there all right um every movie sucks all right i'm gonna read one and uh, you're going to get a good a good kick out of this. This is from A.R. Lopez, Half Star. It can be debated that Wes Anderson peaked at either the Royal Tenenbaums or maybe the Grand Budapest Hotel. Like, at this point, due to just a parody of what everyone expects from him, I hated this film. I don't think I'll ever be able to watch an upcoming picture of his again. I'm supposed to rewatch this with a friend later this week, and I am fucking dreading it. 
More like Asteroid City. Am I right? He stole your line. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you weren't even listening, were you? I was. I was, you I was finding listening. your own. Um, da, 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 da. Hold on. I had found one and I just lost it because I went to the next page on accident. Late in the film, much of the cast breaks the fourth wall to chant, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Falling asleep won't be a problem if you go see Asteroid City. Mm. Mm. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Anushka, half star, said, what an idiotic shit show to call a film, LMFAO. West Anderson realistically has, realistically has one option left, and that is to change career paths to become a production designer and leave storytelling behind. Meaningless, contrived, and haphazardly strung together with a bunch of popular pretty faces and absolute laughable waste of filmmaking resources. Ouch. <coughs> Sorry, can more. I dip can I dip back in real quick just for a second? Yeah. Just like dip yeah. my feet dip my feet back in the pool for a minute yeah. and say that yeah. you said that, that the performances were very compelling to you. Almost everybody in the play itself showed no emotion throughout. Like that's not uh, true. I don't think about well, that. It it is that true. I don't think so. Uh, the 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 when 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 chick is saying I feel more at home. I, I feel like I would feel more at home outside of Earth's atmosphere. She, straight face. And then and then uh, uh, her boyfriend can't remember his name is Woodrow. like I f- I feel the same way and just fucking straight face. Um, every time that uh, Augie and Midge have an interaction with one another, even when they're like acting and she's like, say it with emotion, like read the lines with emotion. He's fucking straight face the entire time. (laughs) Think about your grief. And he looks down, looks up and delivers it the same fucking way (laughs) on her. Like the exact same. I, I, yeah, but Augie's not an actor. I think, (coughs) what do you, Tom Hanks cried like twice. Huh? Tom Hanks cried like twice. Okay, well, you interrupted me. What I was about to say is I think the only person in the play itself that showed any emotion uh, that was, like, <laughs> apparent was was uh, Stanley, Tom Hanks. Like, he, he was the one that showed emotion. What no, about the singing cowboy? Singing cowboy was happy-go-lucky. He Montana? did a little dance number, Okay. <laughs> Yo, that song uh, you know was what? great. You know the what? little kid's Maya, song was amazing. Maya Hawk looked uh, worried at times, so that was worried is an emotion. That's tough. But, That's a tough but, one to portray. But I'm telling you, man. Like Tilda Swinton as Doctor Hickenlooper, she her face doesn't. She move. was great. No, she was frantic, man. She was frantic the entire. She was so out of out of touch. She was out of. She was she was in over her head. She was not mm. frantic. Have you seen Burn After Reading? No. Have you seen any other movie with Tilda Swinton in it? Do you know how her face moves when she's showing emotion? Yes. <laughs> I've seen Doctor Strange. <laughs> she plays this. She play the bald person. <laughs> the bald person. <laughs> what's, what's 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 the name? Ancient one or whatever. I. You know I see really where you're from, but I do you reject. Know what's, do you know what's really funny that, about that example? What? She's like this completely zen monk that shows no emotion in that movie. <laughs> like that's her character, Hunter. 
the example right. you gave You're was so a right. movie in which she shows zero emotion. Okay, we can di- we can go back into that's amazing. To, to uh, every movie sucks. It's uh, your turn. Jaden says, despite great acting performances, Asteroid City left me feeling disappointed. The film's characters show no emotions, which distracts from the story's potential impact. Although the plot initially seems straightforward, the film becomes disjointed and out of sync, making it challenging to comprehend. While the movie contains some humorous moments, these seem unintentional. Hmm. I got one more. I thought this, this was funny. Uh, Top Spur said, If I was dying and the Make-A-Wish charity came along and said, Seeing this film was an option, I'd unplug my ventilator. <laughs> Good God. Um, let me find one more. Alrighty. Zach's gonna find one more. Zach's gonna find one more. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Ooh, I'm not gonna. Sorry, I read one that was not very nice. Mm. Like, not very nice at all. Well, you're gonna read one? Okay, here's Matthew Koo. I slept through it and then I woke up. <laughs> you can't wake up if if you don't fall asleep. Well, he, he I mean I guess that's the point is to fall asleep during this movie. Um I need to What the heck? Hashtag, hashtag #scorsese was right. <laughs> Wait, what what does that mean? What does Scorsese uh, say about it? Well, <laughs> I, my assumption is that they're they're talking about like cinema versus content. Oh, he's saying that this is just content. I see. You can. Um, poli- I'm going to keep reading until you're ready. You can polish a turd. You can polish a turd, but at the end of the day, it's still a turd. Top two worst movies I've ever seen, and probably wow. not number two. This movie gave us a ScarJo dump out. And I wouldn't even watch this movie back to see that again. It's that bad. What's a dump out? Is that... I don't know what that means. <laughs> Is that like okay. what a nude scene or whatever? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't That's know. That's all I can think. Um, okay, interesting. Well, very funny. Time for shindigs? I don't have anything. I'm trying to look up some stuff real fast. Is that how you show emotion? You just say, very funny. <laughs> yeah, that I'm was, showing, I'm showing a, so much emotion right now. That was amusing. I don't really have any news except for Elementals and The Flash are crashing hard at the box office. Oh, wait, there's a new trailer for uh, the Cohen, Ethan Cohen's new comedy film. I think it's comedy. Drive Away Dolls. Mm-hmm. It looks like it has Pedro Pascal, Matt Damon. Um, I had the cast list somewhere, but I lost it. Um, <clears throat> apparently... Uh, What's it called? Uh, Secret Wars is like, eh, fine. And then I watched Extraction 2, and it was like, this is a very generic action movie. It was a little much. But I wanted to actually look up the numbers real quick, because the big headline is that The Flash is tanking hard. Right. It has only done, as of this, you know, this is Sunday night, it has done $87 million at the box office domestically mm-hmm. and worldwide the total is 210 what <clears> was the cost to make the film oh the budget was like 
it was like 200, but if you count into the marketing, which was a lot, it's got to be at least 300. Mm. So it's got to make probably 400 or so to break even or have any sort of profit. I heard a rumor that it needs to make around what the Batman made to get a sequel, and that'd be like 800, and it does not look like it's going to do that. That's not going to happen. They're offering buy one, get one free tickets. Yeah, that's hilarious. And I like the movie, but that's hilarious. I think this movie just, it was, it was, it's a miracle that's even got put in theaters. It was dead from the beginning. What were you going to say? I don't think I've ever seen a movie have a buy one, get one special. Like I don't think ever. I have either. Unfortunately, that just reeks of desperation. Well, what would that also, do? that's not going to help the box office, isn't it? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, what would that do? Unless the theater is like, if you do this, we'll like pay for part of those tickets to get people well, in the what's theater. Well, in, what's interesting is or that. Or something. <clears throat> This summer, there's been a really interesting trend. And this is not really news. I don't have any news. Sorry, I've slacked this week. Um, Like, Fast 10, Fast X, was in theaters for like three weeks. It did terrible. Um, Elementals is doing bad. Apparently, it's getting a little better, but it's doing pretty rough. Um, I think Transformers didn't do great. And then, like, Little Mermaid also bombed. And now Flash bombed. So, it's like... Are people just tired of it? Because Spider-Verse is doing really good, I think. What's Spider-Verse's mm-hmm. box office? Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, I know the news. We got a trailer for Craven. I didn't watch it. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, Spider-Verse has gotten... Uh, it's 560 right now. 560 million. <laughs> so... Who knows? It's not that but people aren't going to see movies because there have been commercial su- successes this year. But yeah, it's this IP see. stuff. Box office. I wonder how... Because we're doing Indiana Jones. Is that next week? Uh, I think I think so. Yeah, because that comes out June 30th. Indiana Jones 5. Let me see. Oh, that's fresh now. Wow, it's gone up. That comes out June thirtieth. So yeah, that's next week. I wonder how that's gonna do. You know what the do you know what the number one No, that can't be. That can't be. Is that just domestic? Oh, wait a second. Do you know what the biggest grossing movie of the year is, apparently? Mm. Let me think. Give me a second. Biggest grossing movie of the year thus far, 2023. Are, yeah, are you Googling it? No, I'm looking at the movies that we've reviewed to see if I can like jog my memory about what's come out this year. We so haven't I'm not looking reviewed at this one. Statistic. We haven't reviewed this one? No. Okay, it's going to be like... Um, the Little Mermaid. <laughs> Super Mario know. Bros. Super Mario Bros. Oh, yeah, I should have gotten that. Yeah, that, that this made is, like... Close to hold a billion, on, hold on. right? This is domestic. Let me do worldwide. Yep, it did make a billion. One point three billion. Number two. Number two is Guardians Three. Oh wait a second, that's wild. Fast X actually did six hundred, almost seven hundred million. Yeah, were so you saying bomb. that it bombed earlier? Well, it it's it's its window was like super short. It's like already direct yeah. to streaming. Right. That's interesting. Little Mermaid. Um, People made, like movies with a point almost, hunter. Has made almost five hundred. Quantumania did less than five. John Wick. 
Transformers didn't even break four. The Flash is at two ten. You missed. My I heard what you said. Joke. I heard what you said. <laughs> Air didn't even do a hundred. Cocaine. This is interesting. Well, there you go. Air didn't anyway. even do a hundred. Cocaine. Cocaine Bear and Air. Cocaine oh, okay. Bear and Air did eighty. 87 and 89, respectively. Um, <clears throat> Cocaine Bear almost made as much as Air. Yeah. <laughs> Guardians funny. did 800. Oh, wow. Fast X did less than 200 domestically, but did worldwide. It was almost seven. So f- almost 600 million. Anyway, we can go on this about this forever. Uh, Zach, do us some Braves Minute. Oh, yeah. So the Braves uh, kicked butt this week. We are, uh, we have the least losses in Major League Baseball. Okay. Uh, Matt Olson is tied for the lead in home runs and RBIs. He's no mm-hmm. longer first place in uh, uh, strikeouts. We is he, didn't. Is, did, 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 did he get passed or is he tied? I saw he was tied for first in home runs. In strikeouts, oh, I think he's he, he's been passed. Keep going. Um, the Braves are playing good baseball and stuff. Uh. <laughs> Matt Olson is now third in strikeouts, so he Look is no longer first. Look at that. We had an electric weekend series against the Reds. Oh, like man. I was not. They were serious. Yeah, that that was really back and forth. Uh, Snicker said that that it was exhausting, and he never wants to do that again. Yeah, which hey, is crazy. The Reds came alive, man. They're one of the best teams right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That De La Cruz guy is nuts. That De La Cruz guy, you'll know his name soon. Isn't it Ellie? House. Ellie De La Cruz. De La Cruz. There you go. There you go. Yeah, he's he's a a phenom for sure. Yep. He's he's anyway. excellent. Joey Votto said uh, in an interview, post-game interview, I think last night, that his favorite MLB player, do you know who his favorite MLB player is? No. It's Ronald Acuna Jr. Is it really? That's awesome. Yeah. 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 You know, I saw That's today cool. that uh, there's only five players from the 2002 draft that are still active in the MLB, and two of them play on the Braves. And it's Charlie, Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton and Jesse Chavez. Yep. And then they they brought it up because Joey Votto was in the same class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was Jeff Frank Horst class too. Isn't that crazy? And Jeff's been out for quite a, a hot bit. Minute. Yeah. It's wild. <coughs> anyway, Zach, that was very brave. Or do you have more? It's a brave. No, I would I would be talking if I had something to say. It's the bravest okay, thing gotcha. I've done all week. <laughs> cool. Whiskey shots. Yeah. Whiskey shots. This is to whiskey. We love you. We miss you. The podcast is doing great, all because of you. Yes. All right, Zach. Where can they find us? You can find us on um, on Twitter at biig podcast. You can. Email us at biigpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, at... That, that's it. <laughs> but Is It Good Podcast. And if you want to follow us individually, you can follow me at Hunter Callahan Music. You can follow Zach at Zach with an H, to the number, T-H-A, 
future.31, say hello, you know, all that kind of stuff. What do you think of Asteroid City? And we're going to be announcing July's schedule this weekend. The first movie is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I think we're going to do some Mission Impossible. We're going to do some Barbie, some Oppenheimer. How many Mondays are there in July? How many Mondays are there in July, motherfucker? There's uh, one, <laughs> two, three, four, five. <laughs> okay, sick, 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 sick. Cool. All right. Well, right on, my friends. Okay, that's all we got. Anything else? You good? I'm good. Go Braves. Go Braves. Bye. But is it good podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah.